welcome to Ain't My Type of Hype. This is the second episode in our limited series podcast that explores tropes and stereotypes found in television and film, where we'll discuss the history of these tropes and the growing use of these stereotypes by content creators. Today, I am talking to Jennifer Sharp, and we're going to be talking the mammy trope, Lizzo, body positivity, and body surveillance. So let's get into it. Hey, Jennifer, thank you for joining me for this very necessary discussion about the mammy trope and how it relates to the body positivity movement. So before we begin with this very necessary discussion, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. um, Well, my name is Jennifer Sharp. I am a second year graduate student um, at the U of M. I'm majoring in journalism and strategic media. So that's what I am currently getting my master's in. Um, I also work in county government. I work for Chevy County Mayor Lee Harris in his office as their policy and communications fellow. And I also do a little PR and marketing work on the side um, through my business, Sharp Lifestyle Communications. And I'm also a freelance writer. I love all things body positivity, travel, writing, all that good stuff. How do you do all of that? How? how? I I can't. I can't. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I've I've been trying to cut back on some things. On top of that, I'm also the 2022 president of the Memphis chapter of Public Relations Society of America. Wow. So, yes. So with that, I do a lot of delegating with that. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I, I mean... And, and you still had time to show up and help me out. So I definitely appreciate it. So I want to jump mm-hmm. into this conversation very quickly. The The topic of this podcast in, in its entirety is how Black comedians have adopted, especially on social media, but have adopted and monetized, utilized the negative stereotypes that affect Black women in their comedy skits. And I'm talking about blaming on Quay. I'm talking about I am not Carlton Banks, Tim Bay. All of these people use these tropes to make money to begin these careers and develop these careers and go on to have movies. All the while, Black women are suffering from it. And, and when we talk Black women, we we can go from the Lizzo's, um, people who don't fit this kind of idea of what white society has deemed the, the perfect body and what we as Black people seem to have adopted as well. And so I wanted to talk about first, why do you think Black male comedians have adopted and embraced the stereotype when they are fighting a stereotype of their own? You know, the idea of the Black man is rugged and rough and bad and not this and not that lazy. So why do you think they, they, they've attached themselves to this? Absolutely. Um, well, for starters, even though Black men deal with their own issues and also being stereotyped as well. They're still men at the end of the day. And so they still have a certain level of privilege yes. here in society um, versus women. And so they use that male privilege to kind of um, go at people who are, quote unquote, the lesser sex in their eyes, um, which is women. And so you add women being black and also being plus size as well. So really in society, we're pretty much considered the bottom of the totem pole, supposedly. And so to me, it's kind of like punching down. It's like, okay, well, as a black man, I'm going through enough as is. Let me punch down on someone who I feel is weaker than me, so to speak. And so I specifically 
there, so there, there, there are two types of content creators when it comes to black male content, when, and specifically in this kind of universe of maybe the caricaturization of black women who mm-hmm. do that specific comedy. And so we look at somebody like uh, Quaylen Rogers, who was TT, versus somebody who was I am not Carlton Banks, and they they play on two different stereotypes. So we see right. with TT. We see the Sapphire, we see mm-hmm. the Jezebel, we see the Welfare Queen, we see those things. And surprisingly enough, I Am Not Carlton Banks takes on the same role as Tyler Perry has done for the Black woman with his character of Medea. And that's the Mammy. And so that's the one I want to kind of reflect on for the most part. What are your thoughts when it comes to, first of all, the Mammy trope? I personally feel that it is used to pretty much put down plus size black women. Because if you notice with women such as Lizzo and like a Stacey Abrams, uh-huh. um, Jill Scott and um, Octavia Spencer, they always try to mammify them. Yes. And what I mean by that is um, the technical term mammy is pretty much a plus size black woman who is who is poor and who is desexualized. Yes. Now, if you look at women like Lizzo, Monique, um, Jill Scott, Stacey Abrams, um, of course, they're not poor <laughs> by no means. Um, they are plus size and darker skin. And also, too, Lizzo is a very sexual person. Jill Scott is a very sexual person. So it's kind of like people just see plus size black women and automatically put them in the mammy category just because of their size and their skin color based on previous depictions of plus size black women. Yes. Especially when we look at movies, especially going back as far as Birth of a Nation or Gone with the Wind, when we see first it was a fat actress in blackface Mm -hmm. and, you know, this idea that, you know, black women, first of all, the idea that black women, large Black women are so docile and are so in love with this white patriarchal family thing that they must protect it at all costs. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Lizzo and Jill Scott, again, who, who are both very sexual. If you've ever listened to Jill Scott's music, it's sexual, period. It is. Yes. And so, but when we see Tyler Perry take Jill Scott and put her in a movie, desexualized immediately, you know, and in the movie, Why Did I Get Married? Yes, Why Did I Get Married? Her counterpart immediately ridicules her from the beginning of the movie and then desexualizes her. And then she's desexualized from through the rest of the movie. So I wonder why it is. And and I would love your thoughts on this. Why does Tyler Perry rest on that mammy trope? (laughs) I feel like he rests on that mammy trope because for one, I feel like in his eyes. And so this is my opinion. I feel like he makes plus size black women appear safer and not as intimidating um, and not as threatening, so to speak. So it's like, okay, well, if you tone plus size Black women down a bit as far as like their fashion, so like their personality and their uh, sexuality, they're less seen as a threat, if you will. Yeah, so, and then when we look at, (laughs) I always think it's funny that he plays a fat Black woman, but he gets to be all the things that a mammy is not. He gets that. You know, he gets to have a personality. And I think what is stripped from the women who placed in that, you know, mammified, as you called it earlier, 
he doesn't allow them that space because when we look at Loretta Devine, who's played the mother figure in some of his movies, you see her as never having a voice, never having, um, it's all about love and she loves Jesus and she loves, she doesn't curse. She doesn't really fight for her family, but he gets to do that. Right. And I look at that as another form of patriarchy because as a man, you've stripped the other characters. We're not going to talk about the fact that you don't have women writers or any writers, but you strip them of their voice and then you you confiscate it and then you use it as your own. And so I'd love for you to talk about the influence that his work has had on some of these new content creators. Absolutely. I feel like this has been going on for years. Um, you've had Eddie Murphy, who has portrayed <laughs> fat people in movies. And so Lizzo even mentioned something about that, which she got uh, some backlash for. But nevertheless, you know, she mentioned how it, there was a scene in The Nutty Professor where Sherman Clump was hiding snacks in his desk drawer. And so she was saying that was triggering to her because growing up, she used to hide food. And so people are like, oh, you're trying to cancel Eddie Murphy. And it's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? She's just speaking from her experience. So even then, it's like, for some reason, and as I said earlier, it's a level of punching down. It's a level of, let's put plus-size Black women on a lower pedestal and let's pretty much dehumanize them. Because, for one, weight is not a protected class, like race and gender. So a lot of times... Plus size people are pretty much, um, I guess, like discriminated against, whether it's like not adequate enough seating or they're not being hired for job or they're not being promoted. Usually stuff like that is pretty much not being held accountable for. And then too, even with even with these TV shows, like people were outraged about Lizzo's show, but yet they constantly watch like Thousand Pound Sisters my 600 pound life. And I was thinking earlier, like people are bothered by this show, but not shows like my 600 pound life because they're not used to seeing fat black women be happy or being content with themselves or loving themselves. They feel as if, as if fat black women should just be downtrodden and be mammies and be poor and like desexualized and not living in a lap of, uh, um, lap of luxury. So what part has the media played in pushing this narrative? I feel like the media has played a lot as far as like, for one, not having fat Black women in roles and in roles that are very diverse, Mm -hmm. roles that show their character, their personality, and showing that they're more than just being a fat Black woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like they have portrayed that as far as like casting-wise, like not casting fat Black women in roles. Um, that actually means something. Um, two, having, of course, black men, um, or just people in thinner bodies in general, put on fat suits to portray plus size people in a very um, stereotypical way that always gets high ratings, that always makes numbers in the box office, and all of that. So, um, and then also two you always have the stereotype as like as like the funny fat friend or like or like the fat friend to like the skinnier character who is the main character. 
things like that. Also shows like the Parkers, where it's like, Whereas like Nikki is chasing after this man that does not want her. Showing once again that fat black women are not seen as desirable as someone who's smaller. So I feel like the media plays a huge role in that in a lot of different ways. So have we thought, and I think it's funny that you say that because we're starting to see fat white women in more diverse roles. They get Melissa McCarthy for one. And I know it's because mm-hmm. she does a lot of the writing, producing. So she puts herself, which I I applaud her for doing that. But I don't know if we will ever see studios sign off on black women writers making themselves, especially fat black women, making themselves um the love interest or the main character who has the diverse way of thinking, a diverse way of being. And so it's almost like when we think about uh, Gabourey Sidibe in Empire, mm-hmm. when she had a boyfriend, that was almost like breaking news. It almost broke the internet because a fat black woman was confident, had a fine man, and was able to just be a regular person. Like her being fat was not even a part. She just happened to be a fat actress in this role. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I wonder what steps we can take, especially when combating, because I try not to watch the videos that are created by men posing as women. And we, I don't care if they skinny, fat. I just, I look at it as you are utilizing stereotypes that have kept black women down and fighting for equality and recognition, just that have dehumanized us for as long as we've existed. I mean, you know, we if we go back to, Again, the antebellum South, fat black women have always been, we've either been, we've, we've endured the same amount of abuse, but then we are put on screen as caricatures of ourselves and, and our race and our gender to say, these are the type of women who, you know, lead the movement. These are the type of women who we should look to on how to be a good citizen. And these women are always docile. And then we look on the other side and, and I want to definitely get into how, Lizzo's sexuality is viewed as her being a Jezebel. Let's look at that too, because I noticed in your paper, you talked about her wearing the same outfit as Rihanna. If I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. Rihanna, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And not only was she mocked for wearing the same outfit, but in a sense, it was almost like people saying she's a hoe, you know, especially when we see Lizzo twerking Mm -hmm. and half naked, Mm-hmm. It's almost like, okay, why are you flaunting your sexuality? Which is the same thing we say to characters who um, are perceived as Jezebel. So talk mm-hmm. more about why it's, it's one of the two extremes. We can't just look at Lizzo as a human being. Right. It's no tally. We got to either put her in this box or that box. Why do you mm-hmm. think that is? I feel like Lizzo makes people uncomfortable because she's the opposite of what they think fat black women should be. Um, I feel like a lot of what she does forces people to address their anti-fat bias and their fat phobia. And a lot of people don't like to confront that and want to figure out, okay, well, why is it do I have an issue with Lizzo displaying her body and her sexuality, but not this person like why is that and so to me 
to me, the gag is, it's like, well, you have fat family members. Yes, you you're have, all fat. Right, you're fat mothers, fat. fat aunties, fat grandmas, fat sisters. Like, why does this make you so uncomfortable? Yeah. And then another thing is that people want to put Lizzo in this mammy box and they can't. And that's what bothers them so much. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, she's not poor. She's not desexualized. She is brown skin and plus size, but she's not letting that force her to be downtrodden and depressed and sad. And it's, you know, like I said earlier, people don't like to see fat people happy, which is why there's so much outrage regarding her show, but not shows like shows like My 600 Pound Life or A Thousand Pound Family and things like that. So explain for the listeners what anti, anti-fat bias is and what phobia mm-hmm. is. Yes. So basically, um, anti-fat bias and fat phobia is, ba- is pretty much... Um, the uh, discrimination or bias against overweight or obese people. Mm-hmm. And so it includes, but it's not limited to like having no access to quality health care. Meaning like if I go to the doctor with a broken arm, it's like, oh, well, you need to lose weight. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm not here for that. I'm here for my broke arm, <laughs> but okay. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And there have been instances where I've heard stories of Fat black women say say that, you know, they were misdiagnosed or not, you know, diagnosed with something at all properly because the doctor was just so focused on their weight. That is crazy. Can you imagine like, oh, I've been having headaches, lose weight. Like, oh no, I hit my head on the you know what I mean? Like it's the immediate diagnosis without and to the exclusion of what we say. It goes Mm -hmm. back to the dehumanization of fat black women. Because you go in, and I, I don't know if fat black men experience this. One mm-hmm. thing I don't know is they don't, ex- or I haven't observed a lot of fat black men anti-bias. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't see black women making co- social content about fat black men. Right. Them. right. I don't see. But it's always the opposite. It's always the opposite. And that's where my issue lies in. And so... What do you think? What do you think we do with content like that? Because it's blowing up. You know, uh, uh, Waylon Rogers worked with Janet Jackson. You know, he's seen a lot of success by just mocking black women. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is the extent of his portfolio. You know, even when Tyler Perry brought him into his play, mm-hmm. it was to mock black women. It was exactly. And so, what do we do? Because nobody, nobody's listening. You know, when I say this isn't funny, every video that I do come across, I say, I, ladies, I think you need to be careful about what you're laughing at because they're not laughing with us. They are mocking us. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the man dressed in the McDonald's hat with the long wig and the doing all this in the nails and what. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where are these women? Because I ain't met none of them, like not in the in a way that would that would stay with me for so long that I needed to create content. You see what I'm right. saying? Like, right. I met the hotels, the hotel brothers and mm-hmm. the brothers who say, you're going to have to sleep with me after the first date, but they are not in such, um, so it, it, it hasn't been to such a magnitude that I need to go make content mocking these men. And so what do we do? I'm going to be totally honest here. I have been guilty of following these particular content creators, laughing at their content. And then recently I was just like, you know what? 
I feel like I'm the target. I feel like I'm being made fun of. And maybe I just need to step away from that. And then, too, I haven't seen a lot of Black women content creators. If I do, they're not they're not pushed in the um, in the uh, social media space as much as Black men for some odd reason. Um, I'm sure we can guess why, but I feel like with a lot of these Black men, you have a large enough platform it influence to if you're going to portray Black women on your platform, at least have Black women on your platform. At least do that. And if not, you need to come up with some better content because I feel like why is that always your go-to? Yes. It's to portray Black women. Like, you don't have any original quality content. Like, you can't talk about your life experiences. Like, it's just weird to me. It, it is. You know? and I think it's funny that you as Black men have never come across any other Black men who have resonated with you, their personality, their behavior, the way they dress. None of this has resonated with you enough to where mm-hmm. you can make content. And a lot of times the content that they make as women in a wig and a dress and nails, it, could, it would be just as funny if you did it as just a man. I think the only comedian who I've seen done it properly Properly, I guess. And so I wouldn't say properly, but in a way that I didn't find it demoralizing was like Marlon Wayans when he did six tuplets and he played like seven different characters, including like his, include like the mother and the sister. And so he was just like, I pulled Don's character from like different women in my family. So at least he did it from different women in his family, not just Moonquisha down the street or, you know, or, you know, whatever. But these other men, for some reason, I do not know why. It's like you don't know any college-educated Black women. You don't know any professional Black women. You don't, you know, like I'm it's not like understanding. Oprah and Gail exist. Like right. Michelle Obama exists. Right. You know, we have Stacey Abrams exists. Exactly. Katanji Brown exists. I mean, so is it because they're not funny that they're not that? They're not deemed. Let me let me take that back. We did see Oprah mocked when she was fat. If you mm-hmm. if you ever saw Saturday Night Live when Kenan Thompson was dressed up as Oprah, yeah, or Whoopi Goldberg, you know, mocking these fat black women, and it's it's just crazy to me that it took a movement of people saying, "Wait, why do you have to dress men up as women mm-hmm. instead of hiring women who are funny?" Which takes me to the mm-hmm. next point. You have an entire movement of people like when Tiffany Haddish got her deal with Netflix. Mm -hmm. You're not funny. She's not funny. But Mm -hmm. mocking a Tiffany Haddish type person is funny. Tell me, make it make sense. Make it make sense. So not only are you mocking Black women, but you're taking space from Black women in these comedic settings. Exactly. And then another example is Nicole Byer. Um, she got a Netflix deal. And Faison Love took it upon himself to say, oh, y'all want to give a platform to fat Black women who are not funny. You could have seen any other white woman who is not funny, but you chose to target Nicole. Uh-huh. Because you're bitter. Because you can't get roles or you can't, you know, do whatever it is you're trying to do. It's like, why are we always a target? Again, you said you, you said it punching down, but also because, mm-hmm. you know, and I said it on the last episode of the podcast with Curtis that 
in order to one thing I noticed about a lot of black men and please anyone hearing me say this, I am not generalizing black men. But what I have seen is that black men want a level of control and they want their place in the patriarchy. They want their place in the ruling privilege class. And so they know they're not going to rule and subjugate white men. They know that they're not going to rule and subjugate white women. You know why? Because white men are going to come to their aid and black men are going to come to their aid. So who is left? So as someone who's done the study on body positivity versus body surveillance, how, how do we fight back as black women? What do we... What do we do? I mean, because the podcast ain't going to get it. I mean, I'm sure it'll, it's, it'll, I'm hoping that it'll be the catalyst for conversation. This is, I'm, I'm hoping that your research will be the catalyst for conversation. Mm-hmm. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> the universal sigh. Okay. Right. Uh, I feel like one, we can continue to tell our stories. Mm-hmm. As plus size black women, we can continue to tell our stories. That's why I was happy about this research paper and the fact that it got accepted for me to present um, because I want to tell our stories and then to shows such as um, such as the um, show with Lizzo is telling our stories. It's not just we're dancing and having a good time. We're also being vulnerable. We're sharing our stories with each other. We are in a safe space um, I think one, we can create a safe space for each other. Um, as as a plus size black women, we need to create that space, a safe space. Um, two, we need to not be afraid to to, to pretty much take up space. <laughs> you know, we can't be afraid to take up space. We can't be afraid to tell our stories. We need to just keep pushing the needle forward. Uh-huh. And I, I feel like it's important because our children are looking, you know, especially our daughters and our nieces and our sisters are coming up and you're, not everybody's going to be thin. Not everybody's going to hit this. I'm trying not to say white a lot. <laughs> this white beauty standard because that's where right. it comes from. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. So talk a little bit about your paper. Tell me what you found. First of all, give us kind of the idea of what the research was about and then tell us what you found out. Because I thought it was super interesting. And it hit on, I don't know if you follow Kimberly Foster, who does the Harriet. Did you see the the pot, the little podcast episode she did about fat black women? I about did. Lizzo specific, like, I love that. I am not your fat black mammy. I love yes. that. Exactly. So, Tell us a little bit more about your paper. Yeah. So basically the title of my paper is body positivity or body surveillance and analysis of Twitter reactions to Lizzo's positive representation or a presentation, sorry, of her fat black body. And so basically in general, I originally wanted to just talk about body positivity as a whole and just how Twitter reacts to body positivity messages. And so, uh, shout out to Robbie, who was the professor for the class who I wrote the paper for. He was like, why don't you focus on a specific person and then also be a bit more specific? And so he was like, why don't you write about Lizzo? I was like, okay, you know, 
I'm a big fan. I don't know how unbiased I will be. Right. But, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. And so he also mentioned right about a recent incident or not incident, just like a recent event that happened involving her. And I thought of Cardi B's birthday party as a very good example. And it shows the, um, it shows pretty much the um, double standard that people display. Um, For those of you all who do not know, um, back in November, I believe, Lizzo went to Cardi B's birthday party. And so it was a dance hall themed party. And so it calls for everyone to be, you know, dressed scantily clad, show a little skin. She wore this very beautiful see-through Matthew Reisman dress. And so she only wore a thong and pasties underneath. And of course it causes a lot of controversy. People felt like, Oh, it's inappropriate. She looks disgusting. Why would she wear that? She could have wore a bodysuit underneath it. She could have wore jeans and a t-shirt. First of all, who wears jeans and a t-shirt to a dance hall thing, birthday party, but whatever. Um, <laughs> like it just sparked a lot of outrage. And so I was like, hmm, this is exactly what I want to focus my paper on because there were a lot of women who attended who were very scantily clad but the focus was only on Lizzo and it just shows like, yeah, y'all have an issue with fat people. <laughs> y'all right. do. And so I looked at the tweets. Um, there were a variety of tweets. Um, one that pretty much said, you know, honestly to me, Lizzo was pretty much encouraging like people to be unhealthy and obese. And it's like, okay. And then two, there was another tweet I saw that said pretty much like it pretty much upsets me when Lizzo just can't even win. It's like she minds her own business, but yet people just feel the need to just attack her just for pretty much living her life and pretty much existing. And that's what a lot of fat black women go through. It's like we pretty much are just existing and like just minding our business and people just feel like, oh, well, maybe you need to lose some weight or oh. You know, I've heard this before, like, you're so pretty, just, you know, if you just lose a little bit of weight and it's just trash, it's just very, very trash. And then I wrote it from a standpoint of social learning theory. And what social learning theory means is that the media influences people's thoughts and behaviors. And so people see in the media, what is the standard or what is considered normal? So, for example, people with thinner bodies are considered normal and they are considered more, I guess, more like desirable and like better versus people in fat bodies. Whereas, like, they're not considered to be normal or, you know, pretty much acceptable or desirable. So, people have this thing in their mind like, okay, fat people is not, you know, it's, it's not okay pay to be fat it's not acceptable it's not desirable so when they see people like Lizzo being sexual being proud of their body it makes people feel uncomfortable because they're so used in their minds seeing thinner bodies that when it's a fat person they just become so uncomfortable yeah so how does that what are the mental health ramifications about the like because I know anybody who especially me growing up I've always been a plus size girl I've always been tall. I've always been big girl. 
always at the back of the line because you know how they line you up in kindergarten, you know, like, oh, you're tall, getting, you know. But what are the mental health ramifications? Because there's no way that we can we can be bombarded with this type of negativity mm-hmm. and it not resonate with us and it, it not influence how we look at ourselves. So what are the ramifications of seeing such negative attitudes towards fat black bodies? Mm-hmm. I feel like one, it pretty much encourages and amplifies low self-esteem. <laughs> Um, low self-worth like you feel as if well I'm not desirable I'm not good enough I'm not pretty enough because of my weight and so that leads to like um, it leads to women having some sort of eating disorder um, pretty much killing themselves trying to be thin um, always looking for worth in other places especially with men or like as far as like not really taking care of ourselves because we feel like we don't deserve to take care of ourselves. Right. I think too that it, it leads to kind of self-mammifying in a sense. Like, you know, as a fat black woman, I I have spent a lot of time making sure that my outfit was appropriate because I remember, I remember, I will never forget um, my prom, which I didn't go to because as a fat black kid, you have this idea of how you want things to look or be or and my mother God, I love her to death and she's great, but I told her I wanted this dress. And I don't know if you remember um, there was a gospel singer. Oh, I wish I could remember her name. But she used to wear these dresses with the high neck. Oh, yeah. You know, and I wanted a dress like that and my mom was like, I don't think that'll look good on you. My sister was, I don't think that'll look good. Like, that's not your body type. And ever since then, I have never worn a dress ever again, mm. ever again, even though I like the aesthetic and I am because, you know, I am considered tomboyish. I did used to like dresses. I did used to like, but because, you know, my my knee, I got knock knees and people were telling me, oh, this wasn't the shape. It didn't compliment you and never helping me to find something to compliment myself uh, uh, or my body. It, I just... The appeal, I, I, it lost itself, but more so because I didn't want other people looking at me and saying, oh, that's not for you, which is why I love and applaud Lizzo. Mm-hmm. She ain't trying to hear what you think is the best shape, fit, whatever, for what she puts on her body. Right. If she loves it, then that's all that matters. And mm-hmm. I am. I love seeing this kind of body positivity movement moving forward because it's going to do wonders for the fat black community, especially the newbies, the girls coming up who. Absolutely. And so I wish I had a Lizzo growing up. Mm-hmm. Now I had like a Missy Elliott, but she wasn't. I mean, she was bold and brazen, but in her own way. Like she was like that in like her music videos and like her creativity and like her lyrics because her lyrics are very sexual too. And a lot of people don't pay attention to that, but they are. But it's just something about Lizzo, the fact that she's just so bold and brazen with it, like in all facets, like fashion, sexuality, like she's loud and boisterous, like, and I'm very introverted. So, (laughs) you know... I see a lot of myself in her as far as like being plus size, being brown skin, you know, being police for your body because I was plus size growing up too. And so I have these big old legs. And so 
I've always been told, oh, your shorts are, you know, way too short. Your skirt is too short. And it's like, as I'm getting older, especially in my 30s, I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to show these big legs. If you don't like it, who cares? I don't care. I'm just going to show a little bit more skin now. So I had to grow into being more comfortable with my body because growing up, I've always been made to feel like your body is not appropriate. And plus, and plus I went through puberty early. So that was another thing too. Like, you know, try to, try to you know work through that and yeah. you know yeah yeah and so it was a lot and yeah. so luckily my mother was fat my grandmother was fat so in the home I was never made to feel like my body was not okay it was just outside like school or work or whatever I've always dealt with that but in the home I never dealt with that but which, which is kind of hard because it's kind of like well because, you know, when you get outside of the in, into the world and I don't want to say the real world, but when you get outside into the world, to the space where people don't love you, mm-hmm. they don't care about what they say about you. And so right. on the opposite end, you know, my parents never, you know, my dad, he would make the occasional fat joke, you know, mm-hmm. when we were around a lot of family. But I think it was because he didn't know how not to be ashamed of having fat daughters, you know. Right. And then I, I look at serving me different meals than my sisters, right? Instead of, okay, well, we all going to eat boiled chicken and wet rice if that's what she has to eat, you know, making it a, a more inclusive experience. So exactly. So I just, I can appreciate all the women who are taking up this mantra, who have decided to shed, you know, these tropes and, mm-hmm. and stereotypes you know, that, that we never asked for. We just were bombarded with them in order to um, kind of smooth over or give white people the position. And I'm not saying it's white people's fault that people mock fat people, but it kind of is because these are mm-hmm. your body standards and everything that you claim to be uh, gatekeepers of, whether it's art, music, body type, food Mm -hmm. it is based on white culture and it is the antithesis of what it means to be black because Mm -hmm. black women are voluptuous we think those with little waists got wide hips and Mm -hmm. large breasts and maybe big legs so everything every standard that has been set by white people it's almost as like it is intentionally at odds with what it means to be a part of black culture. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, the food is too greasy. Oh, the art, this isn't art. This isn't how we write in the King's English. It's always mm-hmm. something. So, right. you know, being able to embrace kind of Lizzo being the, I don't know, she needs to get like a Nobel prize or something, whatever they give to people who make right. <laughs> huge movements and make huge differences in mm-hmm. Our society, I, mm. I definitely appreciate that, and I definitely appreciate Absolutely. you. I hope that you submit that paper so we can have more, more academic writing by Black women about Black women. You know, Absolutely. It's about Black women, but Black women being able to write about whatever it is and be able to be the standard bearer for what academia says is the right answer or the the piece of information that needs to be um, addressed and and talked about. So mm-hmm. I'm congratulations on getting through the first part of the process. And I hope that Thank you, you. Um, I'm encouraging you to keep moving forward because we need your voice. We need your voice. We need your writing. We need your education. We need your talent. 
major perspective. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thanks again to Jennifer Sharp for joining me and having this wonderful discussion about Lizzo, the mammy trope, body positivity, and body surveillance. I hope that she and I can get together in the near future to figure out why Lizzo has so many haters. But that's another discussion for another day. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Bye.